you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the, world. in the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. Chris Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. There you go. When the Iron Lady sings it, that's when you know it's official. For 15 years, I'm so glad I don't have to sing that stupid line anymore. But I guess if people want to run up to me and sing it, they still can at events. We always see that. TheChrisVosShow.com. And I'm like, security. Give me security. I don't know who this is. Just some crazy person. Anyway, guys, welcome to the show. As always, we ask that you refer the show to your family, friends, and relatives. Going on 15 years, we bring in the CEOs, the billionaires, the White House presidential advisors, governors, Congress members, U.S. ambassadors, astronauts, TV and Pulitzer Prize winners, all the great journalists from all the great outlets on the show. And they bring you this distilled version in a very short form of all their great stories, all their learnings, all their educating that they've been doing, the educating that they've been doing. They bring it all to you, and they bring it to the Chris Foss Show and serve up to our elite audience the Chris Foss Show glow of knowledge and all that good stuff. And with that BS, I'm going to tell you to refer the show to your family, friends, and relatives. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, youtube.com, Fortress Chris Foss, the big LinkedIn newsletter, the LinkedIn 130,000 groups. Subscribe over there as well. Chris Foss one on the TikTok and Chris Foss Facebook.com. And I'm just kidding. Everybody on here is damn brilliant. Like every show, I'm just sitting here going, I think we're going to have an epiphany button where I'm just going to wah, 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 epiphany moment that comes out because we learn so much in the show and you will too or else we have an amazing gentleman on the show today we just threaten our audience every now and to keep him in line you know we got to keep the audience in line we have glade holman on the show with us today he's gonna be talking to us about his product his journeys and what he's learned he's a feedback guru a leadership expert and executive coach and he'll be talking to us about his stuff he is a firm believer that everyone has the capacity to grow and improve. He clearly has never met some of my relatives. Glade helps individuals, teams, and organizations unlock their hidden potential for business and career success. His dual focus on the human and analytical dimensions of strategy, growth, and change, and leadership have made him a sought-after speaker, consultant, and executive coach. He's worked across the globe with C-suite and frontline leaders, building the practical skills to develop and execute growth strategies for businesses and careers. He's led global engagements for notable companies such as Barclays, Procter & Gamble, AstraZeneca, Citigroup, Visa International, and I'll have to talk to him about my credit card, and Phillips Semiconductor. He's also had the privilege of teaching graduate courses at New York's University Wagner School of Public Service, and he reaches the Pinnacle's career here on the Chris Voss Show. Welcome to the show, Glade. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Coming as well on the show, we certainly appreciate that. Give us any .coms. Where do you want people to find you on the interwebs? Sure. You know, best place to find me probably learningbridge.com. Um, really yeah. easy to kind of like find it. Those two words are just smashed right together. You can always find me on LinkedIn too. One of the things about having the name Glade and Holman, there's just kind of only one of us out there. There, so. I'm jealous of you, man. I'm so jealous of you. So there you go. So you work with and at learningbridge.com. Do I yes. have that correct? And then what's your official title over there? Uh, actually, I'm a founder, but I call myself managing partner at this point, but it's been, you know, 
that was 20 years ago when we started the business. So 20 years ago. Congratulations, yeah. man. That is awesome. So give us a 30,000 overview of what Learning Bridge is. You know, just a real quick one. Like I, I, I always started out my career as like a management consultant, which I still do that. And it was specifically around strategy and leadership and helping organizations build their strategies in a very participatory way. And a lot of times, you know, clients get to know you, they like you, and they say, hey, Clay, can you do this for me too? I know you don't, I know you do this, but can you do that? <laughs> and one of the things they asked me to do back actually was like in the 2000, early 2000, was they just said, hey, can, can, can you build us a, we do these surveys around leadership development, and it's really mm -hmm. a hassle to manage. You know, we, we go out and get feedback from someone's boss, their peers, their direct reports. It's a mess. Can, can you do that? Can you help us take a model and put it online? And I said no, but in a period of about six months, I got somebody else asked me to do it. And like by the time the seventh month came and the fifth person asked me, mm -hmm. I said, yeah, we do that. And I called up my brother who happens to be a program guru and he built some software back then mostly to automate. And we, that's how we started for Learning Bridge. But then we set it up as a separate business, but a real focus on how do you help people get the feedback they need to grow? Because without that feedback, it, growth very rarely happens. You stumble into it otherwise. And I want people to go do it with, with intention and with some knowledge. And ever since then, we've said, let's make feedback be our thing and mm -hmm. uh, take it from being something that's done to you and rather than and make it be something that's done for you and by you. There you go. So why is feedback really important? What can you do with it? And it, do you find that some people are resistant to it? I guess multi-questions. I'm winging at you there. You know, this is kind of like if you're, if, if you're in the corporate world and, you know, right now we're in the last part of the year, most folks are going like, oh, I, I got to get, I'm going to have a performance review ah. and feedback. And so I think when you say, what's the deal with feedback, in some ways it's got a bad rap. Um, mm -hmm. because people have a, most of folks will remember a time when the feedback hit them like a ton of bricks, knocked the wind out of them and, and put them down or was used or weaponized in some way to prevent them from getting something. Mm. But I wish, you know, but that's, that's the, that's the memory the post-traumatic syndrome that comes up for some folks. My view is you can't grow without feedback because you cannot see yourself through your eyes. You can only see yourself through the eyes of others. Mm -hmm. If you don't have access to that view, you're not going to grow in the way you want to. So you can take control of feedback rather than having it be something that's done to you, move yourself into the driver's seat and take control of what happens to it. Mm. Or it may come to you in, in a bad way, or it may have come to you in a good way. I, you know, you know, I mean, corporate America out there, you have like so many folks that are teaching people how to give feedback. I got to tell you, if you're sitting in corporate America right now, you say, well, like, I know they've invested a lot of money and teach people how to give it, but my goodness, I'm sure not getting good feedback. It's not working for me. I can't control how people give feedback, but I can help you figure out how to take whatever that feedback is oh. and turn it to your advantage, even if it was delivered with ill intent uh, delivered poorly. There you go. I like this idea. We should change this. On the Chris Voss show, we're about to do our year-end reports, and the way we do it is I keep it really simple. I, I either write on the thing, you suck. <laughs> and then if they're good, I wrote, you don't suck yet. And that's, yet. How we, that's how we do things here on the Chris Foss Show. So give us a 30,000 overview of your life journey. What got you into this? Some of the things that you've done, all that good stuff. You know, I told you, I, I didn't know what I, so I, I came through school. I went back, you know, did my education and grew up as a, in a small town in Utah, but ended up getting educated out in graduate school anyway, back in New York City. Mm -hmm. And from that landed about doing con management consultant work. 
Mm-hmm. And one of the, I had a really great opportunity early in my career. My job was to work, we had about, there were about three or 400 executives spattered across the globe at different organizations. And my job was pretty singular. I was supposed to go in and observe them in managed simulations and live settings and then give them feedback uh, on that because these are folks the organizations wanted to be the future. So they invested in them in this way. And so it was pretty, I think, pivotal for me to get that experience early in my career to see leaders in situ and and just be tasked with watching them and then giving them feedback that would help them grow so they could hit the target the organization wanted for them. Mm -hmm. Now, that was 20 years ago. And now you roll the tape forward and I can kind of sit back and say, hey, from those 500 folks, where'd they land? You know, what happened? Did they did they actually hit the target the organization hoped? Mm-hmm. Did they hit the target they hoped? Mm-hmm. And if they were removed, you know, where did they, where were they removed and why weren't they removed? And and so I've just had a great opportunity over the course of my career to say, what makes a difference for someone to be successful in their career and achieve what they want mm-hmm. and also be accretive to the success of the organization and what not? Yeah. And that's... That was a, so you say, what's my journey to feedback? It started with that glade, you have to give it to these people. Mm-hmm. And I found out I, I kind of could do it pretty well mm-hmm. in a way that they could actually use it. But I got to watch them over time, see where they landed and, and see what made the difference. There you go. You know, it's, it's always interesting to me when I interview leaders, I'll ask them, you know, what's your leadership style? Or, you know, what's your principles that you use in leadership? Or yeah, how do you lead? And like a lot of times, I don't know, when I hear from most of the people I interview on my show, like yourself, most people don't know. I'm kind of surprised by that. Do you find that most leaders that, you know, obviously haven't taken your, your engage with your company kind of are operating on the kind of the autopilot? I think you, know, you, you raise a point that I think is quite interesting. And, and leadership is not, it's something people acquire through experience, not through education. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes some people are lucky enough to actually learn from somebody else's experience around it. But most of the time, people learn leadership by doing it and by failing at it and then doing it again. <laughs> and and, and I see that because that's where feedback comes in for me. Yeah. Without, without feedback, because there isn't a, if you did take a course in leadership, you took it when you were in, you know, before you could actually use it, mm-hmm. uh, back in college, you know, yeah. and you didn't really have to use it till much later in your career. And so where do you pick it up? It's a craft, right? It's not necessarily mm-hmm. a domain of study. And that means it's like an apprenticeship and it's learning and it's feedback and it's coaching. And then if you don't get that, you won't, you won't do it. So you say like, if they get to someplace, they don't know their leadership style. I would say they've probably capped out on their progress. Yeah. They probably hit a ceiling. At that and point. I think that's why probably servant leadership and raising leaders underneath you and teaching them and mentoring them is so important is to try and make sure that, you know, they become good leaders. That or, you know, just write on their progress report, you suck. You suck. So or, you know, you were showing a growth mindset, though, when you said you you don't suck yet. You know, that, yeah. like, the yet part is like, yes, you still, still can time. become something. Yeah, just the wrong direction time. you were talking about. But yes. <laughs> I have a vision for people. And yeah. I, the vision is that they will eventually depoi- depose me on a – or. <laughs> <laughs> they will eventually disappoint me on a long enough timeline. I, I had to pull a Fight Club reference and juggle me there. There you go. So I like this idea, you know, of, of doing these surveys because, you know, I've often, like, sometimes I've I've had friends that are going like, hey, you know our CEO friend? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, you know how he's kind of toxic? And I'm like, yeah. And I, have you ever read his Glassdoor reports? You know? And so I've always used Glassdoor as like a way to go like, let's see what's going on with this company. What's going on with that guy? Yeah. And, uh, and that's kind of a, 
That's, that's a horrible way to have reports on yourself. So this is a lot more safer to do it this way and do it internally. So tell us like some of the process. How does it work? What happens when you get, you know, some ugly nasties? Maybe it's anonymous, right? Where you, yeah. you know, yep. I can't, I can't hunt down that employee and kill them. Sure. Or throw them out a second story window. No, there's no opportunity to do that. We do that on Fridays around here. Fridays, are, that's what, yeah, you know, it just depends on yeah. how high up you are there. Just um, the second you know, story because second story, so yeah, they have a chance to recover. That, you okay. don't want to, you don't want to get that murder charge. Yeah, they have a chance to recover. Yeah. You know, if you if you say you, know, you mentioned one thing, you know, where do you figure out something about a CEO? Here, here's a truism. Oftentimes, the more successful and senior you get, mm -hmm. the less access you get to feedback. Yeah, and if you need feedback to grow, which I'm saying you do. Mm -hmm. You start to stall out because no one, no one tells the emperor he's not wearing clothes, right? Yeah. And so sometimes what happens for those folks is they'll hire someone like me to mm -hmm. go out and get the feedback because they're not giving it. Yeah. But but this isn't just for the CEO. And you know it's funny you you, you say that. I there's a couple boards that hire me specifically to get feedback on the CEO and then report back to them, or university uh -huh. presidents that hire uh -huh. me because they can't get it to do that. Yeah. But. But that's not really what, what gets my juices going. What gets my juices going is trying to get people access to feedback at all levels of the organization. Because mm -hmm. I really do believe that without it, you can't grow. You might stumble sure. into growth, but you're not going to have control of your own growth. And sometimes organizations think that, you know what, if we're going to give you feedback, we got to spoon feed it to you. we got to be careful. You might cry <laughs> you or you might whatever. You know, so better not to give them any feedback at all yeah. rather than risk them having an episode. And... I want to get rid of that mentality and say, no, no, mm. feedback is for the masses. Mm. And if you can, I can teach you the skill of receiving it. And maybe that 360 survey tool that some folks are familiar with might be your first opportunity to work with feedback. Mm. And that is, hey, we're going to go out with an online survey. It's going to go to your people that report into you. It's going to go to people that work with you on the same team. It's going to go to your manager and it's going to consolidate it and give you a view of 360. You know, mm -hmm. here's what it looks like when you're managing up. Here's what it looks like when you're managing down. Here's what it looks like when you're managing across. Take that source of intelligence mm -hmm. and then use it to map your map, map your trajectory forward. Where I think people get in trouble with, with feedback being viewed as something that's harmful to you mm -hmm. uh, is that Number one, I'll tell you one thing about that's true about feedback. It's true about every piece of feedback you're ever going to receive from, from now until you go into the grave. And the first thing about that piece of feedback is, is it's wrong, all right, because it's biased, all right? Uh, and if you have a brain, you have a bias. And mm -hmm. since feedback is coming from people with brains, usually, they're going to have a bias. And mm -hmm. so you can always say the feedback's wrong, it's biased. Mm -hmm. Number two, it's incomplete because no one sees the whole picture. So if all feedback I receive is biased and incomplete, if I want to, I can throw it out the window and say it's not useful. Mm -hmm. Or I can say, hey, this is an opportunity for me to increase my situational awareness. This is an opportunity for me to understand what's in other people's minds. Because yeah. when someone gives you feedback, they're telling you an awful lot about themselves. You know, They're telling you about their leadership beliefs. They're telling you about their expectations. Mm -hmm. They're revealing more about themselves than they are about you. Um, mm -hmm. And so if, if you're a leader, you want to know and you can learn about them from the feedback they give you, right? Yeah. You're going to find out that narrative that they've constructed in their head. Mm -hmm. Now that narrative is going to be incomplete and it's going to be biased. But now you know it, you can yeah. figure out what to do next. So I try and depersonalize the feedback for someone so it's not like a personal attack or a personal threat. Yeah. Use it as an intelligence gathering tool to understand the situation that's around you. Then you can plot your course forward. 
There you go. I mean, it's it's it sounds pretty good where people can can have that situational awareness and development, like you say. There was a thought I had about leadership, and one of the aspects I I'm not going to find it. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna wander in the desert with it. So we'll we'll segue to the next point. What are some of the size of the companies that it'll come back to me? What are some of the size of the companies that you deal with or that can access your services? Is there a minimum sort of thing, whether it's size of company, numbers of employees, or budget? Sure. No, I mean, like for us, I tell you, I just we just finished up with one company where we just did over a thousand people at one time. Uh, a thousand of these 360 surveys at one time, and and that was great. And that's a, that's a that's a big that's a big chunk at one time to do a thousand people at one time to all get individual feedback to each and other. Then to think about how do we help them take that feedback and turn it to their growth, not just mm-hmm. turn them to jumping out the window, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that's great. We also do it for just one offs, you know, just one mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. And so there's really no there's really no limit. Like I said. I'm passionate about getting people the feedback they need to grow. Hmm. If they don't get it, they don't grow. If they don't grow, they don't get what they want. You know? yeah. I have about nine personalities. Can I have all nine, my, nine of my personalities evaluate my first one? That's, that's Absolutely. Good. So there you go. Now, on the site, I think I see a couple different services, right, yep. on top of the 360. Tell us about some of the other tools you have. You know, we, we will do a, a fair amount of, so 360 is our passion because that's a primary way for us to get feedback that helps people grow. Um, mm-hmm. But what we found is if you just give people feedback, sometimes it doesn't work. You want to build in them a skill to help mm-hmm. them use feedback themselves. And so we do do a series of, of seminars on how to work with feedback, how to use it mm-hmm. to your advantage. We'll call it generative feedback. Mm-hmm. And that's how you can take any feedback that regardless if it's ill-intended, like I said, or even poorly conceived or poorly delivered. And rather than have it suck the wind out of you, actually put wind into you and help you kind of go forward, make it generative. So it takes you in a, takes you forward in a forward space, regardless of how it came or where it came from. So we do seminars around that. We do is leadership that the feedback development. Jiu-jitsu? That is one, one of them is like, I'm glad you bring that up. We, it's funny because we, we talked about, someone's like, Glade, you're really great at helping people work with feedback. How does that happen? And, and one organization called me the VP whisperer because I could, I could get people to take even very challenging feedback, whatever they needed and get them to the next level. And I said, what are you doing with that? And I said, look, I'm just teaching people how to receive it. Mm-hmm. And so if you hear jujitsu, you know, I usually said feedback jujitsu. For those of you that are familiar with jujitsu, it's a combat art, you know? So like, oh, are you saying feedback's combat? No, I'm not. But there's a central tenet to jujitsu if you're familiar with it. And actually, if you translate the word, the, the, the jitsu part means skill. Mm-hmm. And the ju part means gentle, mm-hmm. means submissive, means yielding, means bending. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what is this? gentle yielding bending art in jujitsu you don't meet strength for strength right it was how do you go up against a samurai warrior and if you're a peasant and mm-hmm. expect to come out on top mm-hmm. you don't meet them head on your strength for their strength you take their energy you take their force and you let it come to you and you grapple with it and you roll with it you receive it and you grapple with it and you put yourself in a position of 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 i guess benefit on mm-hmm. the other end. So when we talk about how do you receive feedback, I'll say, look, we're going to teach you six jujitsu moves on how you can receive feedback and put yourself in a position of strength, mm-hmm. in a position of benefit, regardless of how that feedback came to you. Now, it's not always going to come to you in a combat environment, and that's where my, my analogy breaks down. But the idea of yielding to it and receiving it is what I want people to actually take away rather than fighting at it and pushing it back. There you go. And and I imagine how people handle feedback can tell you a lot about a leader 
or people, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I've had, I've had employees walk into my office and tell me straight out four letter expletives, what they think of me. And I think there's a few famous stories I've told on the, I think one's in, no, that didn't make the book, but one's one I've told on the show before is kind of long, but basically, you know, it, they, they told me what it was and they're, they're like, are you going to fire me? And I was like, no, I was like, you actually did something most people won't do in my office. You came and told me what you thought and you stood up to me. So props, props to you. You're going to go back to your office and do your work now because you've been not doing it well. That's why we're having this discussion. And uh, they were shocked. And I was like, look, everyone I thought, everyone I ever worked for, or even parents or authoritarians to some degree, I thought was an asshole sometimes. I respected them. They they did a good job. But you know, every now and then I didn't like them. They were kind of an asshole. At least I thought so. And so if you're telling me I'm an asshole, then I'm just doing my job. <laughs> but you know, having that feedback and being able to take it is so important. I think the thing I'd lost was, you know, we as leaders or as people, we can live in these scotoma blind spots where we're not seeing what's going on. You know, one of my one of my last CEOs that I worked with, I used to I used to say, you know, how come we let Bob into the board meetings? Because Bob is like negative Nancy one hundred percent of the time. The world's always on fire. The world's failing. You know, how, what the hell is with that? Why do we have to have that? And he and he said. I said, Chris, never surround yourself with yes men. You know, like what you talked about, where you can you can get isolated, you can get into a bubble. You know, U.S. presidents and stuff talk about getting into a bubble, and CEOs. You know, everyone's a yes man around you. And he goes, you never surround yourself with yes men. You've always kind of have that one guy because when that one guy, he might be wrong all the time because he's a negative Nancy, but the one time he's right, he save you millions of dollars. So you got to listen to him. You've got to keep your thumb on that pulse because. Because when he's when he's right, he's he's on point, and everybody else will be telling you no, 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 whatever. But he'll he'll know it. And so I've seen that in action. You know, I learned a long time ago. I'm not the I'm not the center of the universe on great ideas in business. I had a couple home runs, but you've got to have that feedback and stuff. And I think that's really kind of a would you say it's a character trait of a really good, high quality, high value leader? You're welcome to stroke my attitude there about it. I think you, I think you can. I think it's a character trait. I think it's a learned, mm-hmm. actually, to some degree. Yeah. And, it's, and it's the reason why they succeeded to where they are. What I mean by that, I think early on in people's career, they try and gather credit to themselves and show how smart they are, right, by mm-hmm. leaning forward. Now, that's yeah, that gets you so far. Yeah. And if you can't get beyond how do I amass credit to myself, uh, how do I give credit away or how do I get get value from others? Then you've you've kind of you've plateaued in your career. So yeah, when you're yeah. saying what did that leader do? At some point he learned. He's he's he doesn't and nor should he be the smartest person in the room. Mm-hmm. What he should be doing is making the room smarter. Yes. Servant leadership. Yeah. And and if he's making the room smarter, that means he's he's bringing opposing views to the table where they can kind of have more fleshing out different light that you can see different nuances because you've got mm-hmm. perspectives that are coming from that. So the leader's role transition. So I think he's got he's gotten wise to be a leader. He mm-hmm. said, you know what, I got to bring in more perspectives that are not, not not mine. And my perspective is one among many. And perhaps right now it's not as important as everybody else's. I want to get the smart people in the room and I want to make the room smarter. Definitely. Uh, and that's where I go to. So I say it's a learned behavior that they figured out if I'm going to lead effectively, this is how I do it. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about my ego. I'm not worried about getting credit. I'm worried about getting the room smarter because that's how we get decisions that are made that are going to move our business forward. 
Yeah. And even if people are, you know, mean, or like you said, they're projecting some of their own attitudes about leadership, or I don't know, maybe some trauma they had from a kid or what, whatever, some bad boss or whatever it is, you know, even being able to look at it and go, hmm, is this me? Is it really, you know, just having that state of mind where you can be reflective, self-actualized, self-accountable, where you can say, hey, you know, maybe they're, they might be wrong. I don't know, but maybe we should explore it a little bit and see, you know, anything where I can improve. You know, I think, I think another trait of a successful leader is they want to improve and do better for their people. I mean, I, I want, I want my people to succeed. I want, and we joke about throwing people out of windows and stuff, but, you know, I, I've always wanted my employees to succeed because if I know they succeed, you know, these are the people who are going to come up through my company. They're going to be the people who are going to be leading it, hopefully in the future. These are, you know, a servant leader builds leaders underneath them. And so I want to know how I can do the best that I possibly can with them. Do I always do it? No. I mean, we've seen that in my progress reports, right? But this is really important. It, it, it really... To me, it really it's really a benchmark of a of a high quality leader. Well, you know, like I said, for me, when I leaders, I have a central kind of a phrase that I say: if I could gift somebody with something that I think would get them through their career, it's there. Here's the skill I would gift them, mm -hmm. uh, and it would be to receive feedback graciously and then to act on it visibly. And if you receive it graciously, why it keeps coming? Mm -hmm. And because as soon as you say no, thank you for the feedback, particularly if it's coming from below, it stops mm -hmm. coming. Yeah. Um, and and then to, to act on it visibly. Why? Because it shows everybody everywhere that you're about learning and growing. And if people mm -hmm. know you're someone who can learn and grow, people find opportunities to give you. They put you into stretch situations. And so as soon as you kind of say no thank you to the feedback, regardless if it's right or wrong, you don't, you want to receive it graciously. I, one One of the leaders that I just admire that I've worked with over 20 years he is so good with the poker face at receiving feedback that's completely off base. He never, he never, he just keeps it coming. The person will say it and, and he'll just say, tell me more about that. Say more about that. Ah. And I say, it's like, boy, tell me, how, how come you keep letting that go? Um, yeah. And Kit Mac, he goes, he goes, Glade, I'm learning so much about that person. Mm. I'm learning so much about them. And then what I can do with it is now that I know what his You can throw him at the second on, story window. No, yeah, sorry, no, I, I, now that I know where that person is, I can plot a path forward. You know, yeah. I mean, like I, I learned something about them. You know, I, I, and to me, I, I distilled that into a principle I'll call like flip the chair. Mm -hmm. uh, when someone gives you feedback, rather than saying it's about me, tell yourself it's about them. Put them in the chair rather than yourself. Oh, there you go. And then say, what are they revealing to me about themselves? Like mm -hmm. you know, quick example, someone says, you know, you're a micromanager. And you could say, yeah, you're incompetent. And that's why I'm micromanaging. <laughs> or you could say, what is that person saying when they say, Glade, you're a micromanager? They're saying, I like autonomy. Mm. You know, they're saying, I like to be able to make decisions on my own and free. Like, they're telling about them. And he's like, well, mm. you know what? Where they are right now, I can't give them autonomy because they don't have the skills. Mm. Let's have a conversation about, about autonomy and see where it goes. Or let me put them someplace where they can have it. But yeah. the feedback was about them, not me. Mm -hmm. And now I'm going to have a conversation. Someone says, you're a stubborn son of a gun. You know, what are they saying? They're saying, I like to have influence on people that I work with. And I don't oh. have any influence with you. And I think well, that's probably true. They don't have any influence with me. Well, this let me is, think about that. You know, How I love the you? paradigm shift you're doing on all these. This, 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 yeah. That's brilliant. This is the piece we love on the show. It takes it to a, a non-threatening place, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
one of the things we talk about in feedback jujitsu and what is the problem is that most feedback in the world comes to you from a measure and assess framework. Mm-hmm. And if something comes from measure and assess, you're going to be worried about losing something. You, you don't measure up. So you're not going to get something. And as soon as that happens, the amygdala right above your brainstem says fight, flight response. It floods mm-hmm. your system and blood goes to your heart. It goes to your lungs, goes to your limbs. And guess where it drains from? It drains from your prefrontal cortex. (laughs) And so as soon as that trigger happens, because feedback came from measure and assess, your prefrontal cortex is where your personhood is. It's where your planning is. It's where learning is. All of a sudden, it doesn't have blood. It doesn't have oxygen. So you can't reflect. You can't learn Hmm. um, because your amygdala got involved and said threat. But guess what? (laughs) That's because someone gave you feedback in the framing of measure and assess. So I work with people and say, you become an expert. You hear measure and assess. Mm-hmm. You say measure and assess, I say grow and improve. Ah. I just swap those words out, you know? Mm-hmm. You say, because until I can go to grow and improve, my prefrontal cortex is going to remain deprived of oxygen, and I'm going to respond defensively to the feedback that just came, and it's not going to look good. Yeah. Because no where the good be is, worse, whatever was going on before. Where the good is, is right here, you know, prefrontal cortex, and it's not functioning because the blood has gone to the heart, the lungs, and the limbs. Mm-hmm. So just knowing that little bit of neuroscience, when you're giving feedback or receiving it, if you know you've been triggered, my advice to you is do not respond in the moment <laughs> yeah. because you will not be responding from a position of strength. It is going to come out poorly. You're going to be beside yourself because yeah. yourself doesn't have the oxygen to actually respond cogently. So that's when you say, thank you for the feedback. You've given me a lot to think about. I really appreciate it. Let's mm-hmm. talk again tomorrow. This is where my stoicism comes in really good. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Being stoic when people throw stuff at you. In fact, the well, famous you discipline mm-hmm. so many times, right? I mean, if like, you know, view yourself as a work in progress, not as a finished product. Yeah. If you view yourself as a finished product, it's, it's game over when it comes to feedback. That's true. Because then feedback can only harm you. I had a CEO that asked me to work with his chief legal counsel, who was kind of a, uh, a bit of a jerk. Everything was all caps, very condescending. This is out on the West Coast. And I said, I don't know that I can work with him. I I know you want me to, but I don't know that I can. And he said, well, why is that? I said, because I think he's got a path. And it's about four years that he's going to stay here. And then he's going to retire. And he's got no other ambition other than to stay here for four years and retire. Mm -hmm. And without an ambition of wanting to become something different than he is today, the feedback is going to bounce right off him. So I said, I cannot get change unless they have an ambition in the future. It's just not going to happen. And after some cajoling, he got me to say yes. And I said, look, I can maybe get 20% change, (laughs) but I can't get, I can't get you 80. (laughs) But we had to figure out something that he, some future aspect of himself that he wanted to be different than today before Mm. he'd receive any feedback. That's interesting. You know, you've yeah. got to have that future aspiration out there. In fact, that's that's the whole point for me. Oftentimes, i got to shift people away from looking back to looking forward. Mm. Because as you look back, which feedback is about looking back, mm-hmm. your natural tendency is to defend. Mm-hmm. And that's where the amygdala gets involved. Mm-hmm. As soon as you look forward, there's a call that goes out to the brain that says, oh, future planning. What does that? Oh, prefrontal cortex. Does it have the oxygen it needs? I better mm-hmm. funnel some blood to the prefrontal cortex. So sometimes in the feedback setting, I'll just say, look, let's stop debating about the past. It's feedback, a little mantra yeah. I'll get people to adopt. It's not about last time. It's about next time. 
And as soon as I can shift them to the future, everything changes. You know, make your home court be the future, and all of a sudden you can receive feedback if you make it about next time. Yeah. Um, regardless about last time, because like I said last time, it's always biased, it's always wrong, it's always incomplete. I can always go and fight it. And so, you know, I was on the phone with a with a leader trying to give advice to a colleague of hers that had just presented to the C-suite. It didn't go well. Mm. And she's giving him the feedback and he's like defending himself and telling us because it was after lunch. And he's I relitigating it really. And, and they were like, she goes, stop, stop, stop. You know, yeah. Sarah, stop right there. I'm not concerned about last time. You're going to present to the same group in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about next time. So about next time. As soon as we shift yeah. to the future, we get all the opportunity to grow. Mm. In the past, it was measure and assess. In the future, it's grow and improve. You just got to move it. You got to move your focus and your intention forward to the mm-hmm. future if you want the prefrontal cortex to get involved. You want there the amygdala to stay there? Stay in the past. Be defensive. Relitigate the, the past. I mean, you can't change the past. You've got to operate in the present and have a vision for the future. But I like what I like the paradigm of what you talked about is approaching to listening to people's concerns as a reflection of what they're projecting. I think I kind of do that in some different ways in my life, especially in dating. But because people throw shit at you and you're like, hmm, what was your relationship with your father and trauma again? <laughs> and stoicism like is is my anchor of life. And so but but you know, as a leader, you have to understand your people. And your people yeah. are different. Each person is different. I've joked about this on the show where I used to I used to, when I would go around my office when it was Hunter's employees and, and touch the hearts and minds, that's how I thought of it. And, you know, I check in with employees. Hey, how you sure. doing, man? You know, oh, oh, the boss is coming to the desk. He's going to bug me about his TPS reports. No, I'm checking in how, from a human basis. How are you doing? How are things going? You know, especially with salespeople. Salespeople, you know, they're just like they're just like Tom Brady's or or any great player on a team. Most people are, but with salespeople a little bit more so, where if they get a bug in their head, they got on a bad streak or they get they get some sort of psychological, you know, something's bugging them at home. You know, some something's just not going right. The cocaine hasn't been delivered today. I don't know, whatever their thing is. Yeah. Uh, you know, they can get off track. And so I learned a long time ago that as a CEO, part of my job is to be a psychologist. I've got to get in there. I've got to figure out, you know, like a surgeon and be like, okay, what's, what's going on with Bob and why is he making his numbers this month? And, you know, and, and a lot of times, you know, it's kind of like that, what's that old story of the lion who has the, who has the, who has the sliver in his finger or whatever. Sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so you just got to get in there and, and fight through whatever they're going through and do it. But understand your people are, are, are better, and you've given me a real epiphany and a paradigm shift on really thinking it from from what their approach is and what they're trying to say to me. Because, like, the one example you gave of, of the person who says, well, you micromanage me, you know, you alluded to a little bit where, you know, maybe that person feels that they need a little bit more freedom or, like you said, a, a job title or, or area that where they can kind of feel more fulfilled. You know, I've, I've been an entrepreneur at companies where I was the entrepreneur inside of the companies. I know how much, how much, how better it is to find something that's a fit for what you do. And, you know, so listen to that feedback, you know, maybe, maybe the feedback of somebody saying, you know, we micromanage, maybe it's not so much me, maybe there's some structures to the company or some, you know, TPS reports, you know, from office space, that sort of thing. Maybe there's some of that going on in the, in the formula of the company that were like, hey, do we need to like dial back a little bit on some things? Do we seem like we're micromanaging people with some of our formats? So I, I would, you know, analyze it. Well, is it me too? Or maybe there's some applications of the company as well. 
It's definitely an interplay between the two, and you want to open it up that way. Mm -hmm. uh, that's where I think there's can be it can be liberating. Mm -hmm. You said like, oh, you know, I want to go around. I want to listen to my people. When when I talk about feedback in terms of giving it, mm -hmm. what I'll tell people, I'll say, well, like, you know, there's that phrase people call you don't ask, don't tell. Now, guess what? <laughs> when it comes to feedback, it's don't tell, ask. Uh -huh. And for for me, that's what I want you to do is is ask. Don't go in and give somebody feedback. Mm -hmm. Go in and ask, mm -hmm. and then and then you and then ask again. And then when you don't get the answer you want, you say, tell me more. Yeah. And you say, say more about that. Because what you really want to do is prime the ground for them to receive. And until they've actually been kind of shared out, they're not ready to take in. And half the time in the asking, they uncover the feedback you were going to give them anyway. Mm -hmm. And so I, I tell someone, don't go in and tell. Go in and ask. You know, if they're not seeing something, you point to it. You know what I mean by that? I was like, you're looking in the mirror. You say, what did you think? How did you think that went at the meeting last time? When Bob raised his hand, what do you think was on his mind? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, or you go through that process. You don't, you don't tell, you ask. And that's one of the better ways to give feedback <laughs> is to help them discover the route, the route with you. Um, mm -hmm. And you can kind of shine the light in an area where they haven't looked before by asking rather than telling. And then you'll find that they're much more receptive to the learning. Because now all of a sudden they're seeing you as a coach guide rather than as a critic and a judge. And it probably brings a lot of companies maybe closer together with the, what you do with the surveys where they kind of feel more like they're on a team. Oh, definitely. I mean, like mm -hmm. to, to me, effective teams are teams where feedback is, is just part and parcel of the way. It's just, it's mm -hmm. what we do. I give it to you, you give it to me and we learn together. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, it's, it's where, I mean, people start to acquire a taste for feedback over time. Mm -hmm. But it, it, sometimes it takes time, and I, I don't know where someone is on that continuum. Mm -hmm. You know, is it, have they acquired the taste for it yet or not? Sometimes you got feedback junkies down here, and you're saying like, "Whoa, slow down, buddy, slow down." <laughs> Versus, you know, hey, the other person is here is avoid it at all costs. You know, one time mm -hmm. a year is too many times a year, and I want to move people's capacity to receive feedback down to the other end of the continuum. And usually that means helping them find a piece that helps them, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Hey, that that actually helped." Or, hey, you know what? It's not about me as much as it's about them. Or, hey, you know what? Now I know something. I can do something. And you see it click for somebody. Mm. And all of a sudden, they start to do that thing we talk about, which is to receive it graciously so it keeps coming. And they don't lose that sight. And then they act on it visibly. And then all of a sudden, opportunities come to them. And they eat it up. They eat it up at that point. Once they apply the principle and it starts to, to generate a benefit for them, they want more of it. I love this concept. You know, I've, I, I've tried, and I and imagine you can make this a cultural thing to help the culture of your company and to make everyone more self-aware and self-accountable, which is a big deal these days, getting people to be self-accountable. You know, when I, when I built our companies, I'd read Peter Singe's book, The Fifth Discipline. Yep. And I used the workbook to try and build what I wanted to be a learning organization because I learned, I, you know, I learned I didn't have all the great ideas. And one of the sayings we used to have around the office that would try and lay that foundation was the only stupid question is the unasked question. Yeah. And so people would be like, what does that mean? And then be like, if you have questions, please ask. You're not, we're not going to treat you like you're stupid. We will throw you out the sixth story window though. But it's a great callback to people. Yeah, but we, we will retrain you, you know, if you did the training and you, because the one thing I learned is that guy who, I don't know, he, I don't know, was thinking about something when during training and he missed 
which button not to break the $30,000 machine on, he'll break the $30,000 machine if he doesn't ask me, if he's not clear on things. I've seen that movie. And so being able to ask questions and then have that environment where it's not antagonistic or reputative where you know your your retribution where you can go hey i don't i just want to kind of get some clarification on this stuff can i ask a question and to me that helped contribute to a learning organization the other thing i would do a lot was when we would teach people how to do whatever they were taught would do we would also teach them why we built it that way yeah and so then if they had suggestions where they would go hey chris you know is we could do this a better way and we had to be open to that in our culture if people made suggestions as to maybe you could approve that. And a lot of times, sometimes they would say to me, hey, you know, Chris, here's how we could do this better around here. And then I would have to explain to them sometimes, you know, that's a really good idea. I'm glad you brought it up. So let me tell you how that works. We tried that and here's what happened. And so that's why we still do it this way. But you, you really had a good idea like we did. And so trying to just build an organization like that was really important. And I can see that this takes it to a whole new level of a learning organization because you're teaching people to be self-actualized. You're teaching them to be self-accountable. And you're just building a better team, really, when it comes down to it. I want to do everything I can to make feedback just be ordinary. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the problems that people have with feedback is because they receive it so infrequently, when mm-hmm. they do get it, it terrorizes them. When, <laughs> when, when you get feedback every day, mm-hmm. and you get a piece of bad feedback today, it doesn't matter. I'm going to get a good piece of feedback tomorrow. You know what I mean? I've mm-hmm. got, it's, it's, it's some days good, some days bad. And if I can just normalize this process of feedback inside an organization, make it safe. You know, you hear the word psychological safety used, where mm-hmm. I can actually speak my mind with candor without fear of retribution mm-hmm. um, and that it will be accepted then you start to kind of build momentum towards really unlocking the collective intelligence of the entire group mm-hmm. and, and avoiding mistakes. Because I got to tell you, almost every time there's a mistake that's made in an organization, there's somebody that knew mm-hmm. it was a mistake. Yeah. And they just like the guy who cost me 30 grand on a machine because he's yes. like, I'm like, how did, how did you not know that you shouldn't do that? I missed that in training. Yeah, and I thought to ask, you know, but... You know, and so for me, it's like, how do I make it safe for folks to speak up and speak out? Mm-hmm. How do I make it safe to bring a beginner mindset to the table? How do I make it safe to challenge folks? And, and safe sounds like a soft word. It's mm-hmm. not. It means we're going to speak with candor and we're going to speak with directness and it's going to be accepted. And, you know, I don't, I don't put on soft gloves and, and, and yeah, we're not striking each other in the face either, but we are speaking with candor because we know how it's going to be received on the other end and because we know that's how we grow. There you go. So give us the final pitch out on on what you guys do there at the company, how you do it, how they can onboard or reach out to you to see if they're a fit, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, sure. Hey, you know, for, for me, I hope it's come through already. If you want to improve your career, if you want to improve your team, if you want to improve your organization, you need access to feedback and not only access to it, you need to know how to actually take it and use it. That's what we do at Learning Bridge. We do it through surveys. We do it through seminars. We do it through training. And we help instill that skill. We do it through coaching. And we believe you don't need a coach to deliver feedback. You can do it yourself. And you can get coaches and colleagues around you to give you the feedback you need to grow. So if you say we could do with more growth, if you say we could do with more abilities to actually receive feedback rather than just give it, then we're the organization for you to reach out with. And the solution you get will be tailored to your organization and to your fit. We've got tools, we've got techniques, we've got the capacity. And I tell you, we know it works. And you will be surprised at the momentum 
that your business will maintain and that the careers inside your organization will actually pick up when you're able to take feedback and make it everyday normal there you rather go. than something that's to be feared or pushed aside. You've got to have feedback. You know, it's like, it's, it's like when you're, when you're, when you're, you know, taking a ship across the ocean, you've got to have feedback to know how to correct and course correct in order to get there. And that, that feedback has to be constant because <laughs> otherwise, you know, you're going to, you're like, we're going to Africa and you end up, uh, I don't know, Antarctica or something. You so, know, I, I love that analogy. You know, just to throw one more thing on that analogy, I often mm -hmm. think about a ship with a cell and the feedback, right, is blowing at you and it's coming right. one direction. If you know how to take that one direction of feedback and you use the, the, the sail right and the rudder right and the tacking and that, that, you can go any direction you want to, even though the feedback is blowing at you one way. Mm. When you know how to receive it and channel it, you can make it work for you. That's what people don't get. And it's a skill that can be learned. Mm -hmm. And once you learn it, you can go where you want to go. There you Not go. before the wind blows you. So, Glee, give us your .com as we go out. Yeah, sure. Learningbridge.com. Pretty easy, straightforward. Find us there. Send me a note. I'd love to respond. If you want to figure out how you can take feedback to power your career forward or your organization, I'm the guy. There you go. Thank you for coming on the show. Great discussion on leadership. You give me some great epiphanies on how to build a better learning organization in the future. Thank you. There you go. And uh, let's see. Note to self, stop throwing people out of the second story floor. <laughs> Just throw them out of the first. Thanks, Manus, for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Foss, YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Foss, Chris Foss, one of the tickety talking, Chris Foss, Facebook.com. Be good to each other, stay safe, and we'll see you guys next time.